It is Friday, January 3rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our DFS podcast for the Wild Card Round. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the Lineup Builder tool on DraftSharks.com, and you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at FanshareSports.com. Of course, Jared, the regular season is done, but we are still playing fantasy. There are fewer people talking about it, but there's stuff going on on Fanshare. We ended up splitting the staff challenges, which we knew heading into seventeen, into week 17. And really, I, week 17 kind of went the way that most of the season did. I took the final shark duel. I won the season 10-7. You got me in the crown his ass challenge on DraftKings. 11-6 for the season, including week 17, when I, I did my signature move of leaving it too long and then rushing my lineup in and having Jason Witten in my flex spot. Yeah, Witten over um, Damian Williams, who was my flex guy, was obviously the, the big difference there. I had a sweet week 17 just because I, I played Williams in every single lineup I made, so that was nice. Yeah, I was basically building around Damian Williams and Joe Mixon for the most part everywhere else. And that that lineup, I you know, I'd got busy with family stuff in the morning. I was like, ah, crap, I gotta get this lineup in. And then as soon as I saw yours, I was like, ah, I should have worked longer to make sure Damian Williams was in there. Another advantage of having no kids. <laughs> exactly. Things were better for Sunday morning. I did end up having a good week overall. And so at least I should feel good about donating $5 to you. Thank you. Now, though, it is playoff time and it's time to move on. We're not doing the separate podcast this week. It's DraftKings, it's FanDuel, all wrapped up into this one. Whether you're playing on one or both sites, we got you covered. We're still going to go position by position. And Jared, why don't you start us off at quarterback? Yeah, Drew Brees is my favorite quarterback on both sides, DraftKings and FanDuel. On, on DraftKings, I mean, it, it's tough to get away from Drew Brees on DraftKings at 6600 bucks. He's not even the most expensive quarterback there. Russell Wilson is more expensive. Brees is easily our top projected quarterback for the weekend. We, we know how good he's been all season, especially good at home, which you know is the usual for Brees. He's averaged um, over 27 DraftKings points per game at home this season. Um, the Saints are at home on Sunday. Obviously, they have the highest implied total at 29 points. Um, you know, the, the Vikings are actually sixth in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, but I, I just don't see how they're going to stop Michael Thomas. So I, if Thomas is going to have a big day, I think uh, Drew Brees is going to have a big day as well. Right. It is a negative scoring matchup, but the Vikings have also shown some weakness, plenty of weakness in coverage in particular. They've allowed ceiling weeks to Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. They allowed two touchdown passes to five other quarterbacks during the year. Plus, it's Drew Brees. He already blew up the 49ers, who are better on, than my than Minnesota on defense, in a game in New Orleans. And Brees has 15 touchdown passes over his past four games. Since he returned from that thumb injury in Week 8, he actually has three-plus touchdown passes in seven of his nine games. And the only two games in which he didn't were both of the games against Atlanta. Yeah, so I think... The reason for not playing Breeze on DraftKings is ownership. I, I do think he's going to be you know, super highly owned. If I'm going to pivot off Breeze, I'm going to go to Josh Allen. 
6500 bucks on DraftKings, 7800 bucks on Fando. So you know, he has given you an $800 discount on Fando. So I think price-wise, there's a better argument for Allen over there. He's shown us the upside this season. We know he can do it through the air and on the ground. Um, Allen has four games this year of 22-plus DraftKings and Fando points. And Allen has the best matchup this weekend of all eight quarterbacks. Um, the Texans are 26th in Football Outsiders past defense DVOA, and they're 29th in DraftKings points allowed to quarterbacks. Yeah, and Josh Allen was surprisingly consistent. Like a good, he he didn't have as much ceiling as you might expect, but he had a great fantasy floor during the season. Was down in the first game against the Patriots, which he, which he left early with a concussion, and was down against Baltimore. And otherwise, a, a nice fantasy floor, a good matchup this week. I think he's going to be popular. Probably draw some away from Drew Brees. Is a hundred dollars cheaper? I think the proximity and price is going to hurt Allen's ownership. Like you know, keep it low and help raise Drew Brees's. I also have to consider some Russell Wilson though. At 6800 bucks, he is the highest priced quarterback on DraftKings for the week and he had a terrible outing at Philly earlier the season was weak overall in the second half of the season. That said, last Sunday night against the Niners was his best fantasy outing since week 9 against the Bucks and all season Russell Wilson has been ceiling or floor. You tend to look at him and think he's going to be consistent. And, you know, sometimes he'll bust he'll bust out for the ceiling type game. But for the year on DraftKings, he's had five games of 28 or more DraftKings points. He's had just one other game of 20 plus. He's had four games of less than 15 DraftKings points. So he's been more like what I would have guessed Josh Allen would be for the season. That does at least mean that there's some ceiling potential. And the last time out, of course, is the first game since the Chris Carson injury. It was also the fourth time all season that Russell Wilson threw 40-plus passes. So I think there's a chance that we get elevated passing volume in this game against a Philly defense that's that certainly has cracks in coverage. It's been a better defense overall, but it's not a good defense at this point. So at DraftKings, I think Russell Wilson's in play. And I think over on FanDuel, he makes a lot more sense because he's $600 less than Drew Brees. Right. Definitely makes more sense on FanDuel. It's tough to make the argument for Wilson over Brees when Wilson is 200 bucks more. The argument, obviously, like you said, is ownership. I mean, it's the NFL. Anything can happen when we're talking about, you know, one week of games and you know breeze is going to be what three or four times more owned than russell wilson so i I do think if you're building multiple lineups on DraftKings, it does make sense to maybe get a few russell wilson teams in there yes i agree with that um so we mentioned the pricing a little bit more on DraftKings on FanDuel. breeze is the highest price at 8500 he's 400 more than deshaun watson 600 more than carson wentz and russell wilson who are tied 700 more than Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. I do still think Breeze is the top play on FanDuel as well, but I think Russell Wilson gained some attractiveness. I'll be curious once the contest gets started to see if his own rate is significantly higher on FanDuel. I would guess that it's higher, but I would also still guess that he trails well behind Drew Brees in that category. Yep, I'd agree with you there. Even on FanDuel with the $8,500 price tag, Breeze still pops as our best dollars per point value at quarterback. It is a lot closer there with Josh Allen just behind Breeze and then Russell Wilson not too far behind either. Again, on DraftKings, Breeze is is far and ahead the best dollars per point value. Yeah, and I mean, you know, not only is he the easiest to project for the highest quarterback score this week, he's ahead of everybody else at the position in ceiling, I would say. For sure, yeah. And of course, it's easy to know who you're stacking Drew Breeze with. At running back, it, it starts with Devin Singletary, don't you think? 
Yes, he's probably my favorite play here. He does pop as the top value on FanDuel at just 6200 bucks, and he's the second best value on DraftKings at 6300 bucks. Best matchup on the slate. The matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed is more than double the positive impact of the next best matchup on the slate. And that second best matchup is for Patriots running backs against Tennessee. So Devin Singletary has the best matchup and the best matchup by a wide margin. Saw 14 plus carries in each of his final six games of the season. Saw 20.3 opportunities per game. That's carries plus targets over that span of the final six games. So lots of work. The downside is he he loses out on some goal line stuff to Josh Allen, but you know, if he's getting carries, there will be the potential for scoring opportunities. And of course we've mentioned he's heavily involved in the passing game as well. If they do fall behind Houston. Right. I mean, Singletary isn't nearly as talented as Alvin Kamara, Dalvin cook, Derrick Henry. I don't think he has as much upside as any of those three guys this week, but really I think his volume projection isn't too far off from those three guys. Singletary has a better matchup than those three. And again, you're getting, you know, a discount of anywhere from a thousand to, you know, three thousand dollars of a discount from Derrick Henry on FanDuel. Yeah, I mean, I think he's right with Alvin Kamara in terms of projected workload. Derrick Henry's the best bet for carries, also has a tough matchup. Dalvin Cook is probably the next best bet for carries, but does still have the shoulder question, even if he says he's healthy at this point, he's practicing more. And certainly a negative matchup with probably the greatest potential for negative game script this week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, among those three, you know, stud backs, I prefer Kamara. He's the cheapest on DraftKings. He's about $1,000 cheaper than Henry on FanDuel. And you know, just feel best about his offense with the Saints being at home, having that, that big implied total. Yeah, and the small slate, whether you're playing, you know, just Saturday, just Sunday, or the whole weekend, the small slate makes it easier to do things that you wouldn't normally do in the regular season, like Stack, Breeze, and Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that makes sense with Kamara's role in the passing game. Sony Michelle is interesting as well, especially at 4,600 on DraftKings this week. You know, similar to the, the three-player stack we just mentioned, the smaller slate makes somebody like Sony Michelle, who's not going to be involved in the passing game, more interesting than he would normally be on DraftKings. It is the second best matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. As I said, he's facing the weakest overall defense by Football Outsiders weighted defensive DVOA. So if the Patriots succeed in this one, it should be because they're running the ball well, playing with the lead. And Sony Michelle is 15th in running back price on DraftKings on the slate this week. He's just $100 more than Rex Burkhead and $1,100 cheaper than James White. Yeah, Michelle pops as the best dollars per point value among running backs on DraftKings. And you know that's with us projecting him for only one catch. Um, he, he's actually a worse value on FanDuel. He's fifth among running backs there at the higher price tag. I like him on both sites. You know, DraftKings more of a price play, FanDuel for the touchdown upside. We've seen the Pats sort of lean on Michelle over the past three weeks now with 58 carries. And look back to what he did in the playoffs last year. 129 yards and three touchdowns, 113 yards, two touchdowns, 94 yards and a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So, you know, he 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 got hot around this time last year. Yeah, I'm going to be using him heavily on DraftKings. He's he's also, by the way, cheaper on DK than Mike Boone, Alexander Madison, Jordan Howard, Latavius Murray, Travis Homer, Marshawn Lynch. I think that's probably going to boost his own rate, but I also don't think that for this short slate, it's going to get as high as it would need to to change my plans for him. Yep, I agree. I do expect him to be high owned, but I still think he's worth using. 
And I agree that I still like him on FanDuel, even though he is much higher in the price menu. He's fifth among running backs, as you mentioned, $500 more than James White. I still think that uh, Sonny Michelle is a much better play than James White, who really hasn't been getting the usage lately, even as a receiver that we've gotten used to with him. I don't think that we're looking at a rebound for James White unless the Patriots fall behind in this one. So if you believe that the Patriots are going to lose this game, then maybe you bet on James White. Otherwise, I think Sonny Michelle is still the top play, and I think Rex Burkhead gets more interesting on FanDuel because he is $5,600 there. Yeah, I agree with Burkhead on FanDuel. Won't be using him on DraftKings. Two of the running backs that Michelle is behind in dollars per point on FanDuel are Dalvin Cook and Miles Sanders. Those are guys I'm going to be staying away from just with the injury concerns. So for me, it's it's Devin Singletary, Sonny Michelle, and Alvin Kamara as my three favorite plays on both sides. Mm-hmm. And Rex Burkhead certainly going to be risky, but he has given us some good games. Four games out of his 13 this season, 11-plus FanDuel points. You mentioned Miles Sanders. He's going to be worth watching because Boston Scott is interesting if Miles Sanders is out. He's less interesting to me on FanDuel where he's 6600 bucks. He's priced up $200 more than Carlos Hyde, 600 more than Devin Singletary. So he's not going to be a focal point. But on DraftKings, even though he is also priced up there, 5800 makes him not too expensive, and he does have a high reception ceiling. I mean, we saw Scott involved in the passing game even when Miles Sanders was healthy. And even if Sanders plays on Sunday, there's a chance he's limited. There's a, there's a chance he re-injures the ankle and has to leave. So, yeah, I'm interested in Scott on DraftKings regardless of Sanders' status. If Sanders is out, then Scott would, you know, jump right into that top four alongside Singletary, Kamara, and Michelle. Wide receiver, what do we do besides play Michael Thomas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think play Michael Thomas on both sides. I'm going to be locking him in, I think, to every lineup I make. On DraftKings, he's not only the top wide receiver value, but he's the top value at flex, which is, you know, including all the wide receivers, all the running backs, all the tight ends. So locking Thomas in. Beyond that, I like both Bills wide receivers. John Brown, 6,000 on DraftKings, 6,500 on FanDuel. Cole Beasley, 5,600 on DraftKings, 6,300 on FanDuel. Again, I think this is the best passing matchup on the slate. The Texans 25th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Cornerbacks Bradley Roby and Jonathan Joseph were limited in practice all week with hamstring injuries. Um, they're listed as questionable. I think both guys are going to play, but you know neither guy's at 100%, so that helps the matchup as well. Yeah, and even when they're healthy, they're questionable anyway because yeah. that that's just a bad secondary. According to the Pro Football Focus matchup chart, Beasley and John Brown have the second and third best coverage matchups when you combine you know the the receiver's performance and the the cornerback's grade mm-hmm. in their matchup chart they're trailing only Michael Thomas there so that only helps them i the you know it's a little bit scary for me to overcommit to Josh Allen on the road at Houston in his first playoff game so we'll see about that but i certainly like both of those guys and there's upside to the entire situation Michael Thomas as you mentioned love him He's probably going to be in every single lineup, 6.3 more DK points per game than any other wide receiver on the slate. I will be scared to not play him. Of course, most of us are going to be playing at least Michael Thomas, and it's probably going to be lots of that Michael Thomas, Drew Brees stack. I think if you are playing that, I would consider running back Adam Thielen. Not super expensive, not super cheap, but the Saints have allowed the third most fantasy points to slot receivers. Adam Thielen hasn't been quite as much of the slot receiver lately as he was in previous seasons, but has still seen some time in there. I think he can produce 
on even fewer than normal or fewer than previous snaps in the slot. And his playing time did jump back up in week 16, the last time that we saw the full Vikings offense. Got back to full playing time. So it seems like he's at least nearing previous Adam Thielen level. And, you know, on this short slate, we got to take a chance on somebody. My run back for the Saints stack would be Stefan Diggs, and he's obviously um, more expensive, but I, I feel better about him, better about his health, you know, better how he's been producing lately. And the Saints have not had an answer for Stefan Diggs in their three career meetings. Um, Diggs' line in, lines in those games, seven catches, 93 yards, two touchdowns, 10 catches, 119 yards, and a touchdown. And then six catches for 137 yards and a touchdown in that, uh, you know, Minneapolis miracle game in the uh, 2017 playoffs. Yeah, we tend to focus on the individual individual matchups and shy away from wide receivers when they're going against tough corners. And Marshawn Lattimore is that, but he's also been an up and down guy. He's been around for those matchups. And Stefan Diggs is just a very good player capable of beating that matchup. Yes, definitely. DK Metcalf, I know we both enjoy. So why don't you talk him up? So the the targets between Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett have been basically the same over the last eight weeks. It's 55 targets for Metcalf, 56 for Lockett. So there's really no edge for Lockett there. And then matchup-wise, Metcalf has a huge edge this weekend against the Eagles. Philly allowed the fewest fantasy points to slot receivers this season, which is Tyler Lockett's primary spot. They allowed the second most fantasy points to left wide receivers and the most fantasy points to right wide receivers, you know, the outside guys. And Metcalf has been an outside receiver on 88% of his routes this season. So definitely prefer Metcalf to Lockett, especially when you're getting a discount by going down to Metcalf. Yeah, and we've talked about the dichotomy there in the Eagles coverage. And I think really it probably just breaks down to this. Their cornerbacks are not very good anywhere. Their safeties are pretty good. And linebackers are solid in coverage, especially Mm -hmm. Nigel Bradham who is one of their highest graded cover guys. So I think that they just protect the middle of the field better. And when you attack them outside, they they have less that they can do. So I, I like DK Metcalf, $1,100 cheaper than Tyler Lockett on DraftKings. Uh, he has the fourth best individual coverage matchup, according to the PFF matchup chart. He has the second best matchup on the slate by a, by fantasy points allowed and adjusted fantasy points allowed. You know, we know that the touchdown upside is there. We know that his quarterback is very good. The the price it, over on FanDuel, he falls into this range that's attractive. 6,200 to 6,500 includes John Brown, Cole Beasley, Metcalf, and Adam Thielen. Like all those guys, I mean, I won't be on Thielen, but I think the decision between Brown and Metcalf will be a tough one. And of course, you can make lineups with both of those guys in them. You are going to need cheap flyers, probably at least one to get in the guys you want, especially if you want multiple Saints. And I think Nikhil Harry and Traquan Smith is the first decision to make here not super cheap but cheap enough to count 4100 for Nikhil Harry 4000 for Traquan Smith on DraftKings they're both boom bust guys uh, Smith returned from multi-game injury in week 10 and from that point he has run 238 routes to 202 for Ted Ginn so creating some separation between himself and Ginn there and Ted Ginn's playing time actually fell off over the final three weeks where he was under 20 total snaps twice 16 or fewer pass routes in three of the final five games. So I think that creates some space between Smith and Ginn among Saints receivers. For Smith versus Harry, Traquan has been a larger part of the Saints passing game for longer. So I think that there's more room for Nikhil Harry to bump up his targets this week. But Traquan Smith is probably the easier guy to lean on 
in the offense that's much more attractive to bet on. Yeah, that's why I lean towards Traquan Smith is just because I expect the Saints passing game to be much, much more productive than New England's this week. Harry is still interesting, though, because it does seem like his usage is on the rise. 14 targets over his last three games. He also has five rushing attempts over those last three games, two, two, and one. So the Pats are looking for ways to get this first round rookie, the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if his role continues to grow um, in the playoffs now. Last guy I wanted to throw out, super cheap on DraftKings. I don't think I'd play him on FanDuel, but David Moore of the Seahawks is 3400 bucks on DraftKings. Jerron Brown is out for Sunday's game with his knee injury. Malik Turner is unlikely to play with his concussion. So that, that leaves David Moore as the clear number three wide receiver in Seattle. He already ran a route on 75% of Russell Wilson's dropbacks last week with Turner out and with Brown exiting early. So I think you're going to get that level of playing time from David Moore. He also runs most of his routes on the outside, um, 72% of his routes this season. So again, that's where we want to attack this Eagles defense. And I think David Moore is a pretty good player. I mean, he's flashed at times over the past two seasons. He's averaged uh, 17.3 yards per catch for his career. So again, for, for a tournament as a cheap flyer, I think David Moore is someone to keep in mind. I had the same guy that I was going to throw out, and I think he's in play on FanDuel as well at 5100 bucks. Not as much of a difference maker as his $3,400 DraftKings salary, but I do think he's in play there. All the reasons you mentioned, with Turner out and Brown leaving early in Week 17, David Moore vaulted to a season-high 54 snaps. It was 14 more snaps than his previous high for the season, which was way back in Week 9. He played 72% of the snaps, which was 28 percentage points more than his previous high for the season. Still saw just two targets. So if you just look at the numbers, the stats from the game, it doesn't look like he did anything more against San Francisco, but he was much more involved. And there is the upside to this matchup that you mentioned. I think there's also volume upside to an offense that is dealing with no Chris Carson. I know Marshawn Lynch is there. I think it's fun that Marshawn Lynch is there, but I think that we should bet on Seattle being more likely to throw the ball a little bit more this week than they have been through most of the season. Yeah, especially in this matchup, you know, the Eagles still much tougher against the run in the past. So I think stacking Russell Wilson with DK Metcalf and then David Moore and not using Tyler Lockett is an interesting tournament strategy this week. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. Tight end, Zach Ertz is $800 more than Dallas Goddard on DraftKings, $1,100 more than Jared Cook. Do we even know if Zach Ertz has a chance to play yet? That's the big question of the slate at tight end. As of Wednesday, Ertz still hadn't been cleared for contact with that you know cracked rib and lacerated kidney. We haven't heard anything from the Eagles since then, so we'll see. You know, It could be a game-time decision, which would be tough with this being the last game to kick off. If Ertz is out, I think Dallas Goddard is clearly the top play on both sites. He has 22 targets and 13 catches over the last two weeks, you know, with Ertz limited in week 16 and then missing last week's game. And the matchup is good for Goddard. Um, Seattle 17th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings and 28th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Yeah, I think Goddard is, you know, a strong play, whether Ertz plays or not, and becomes the obvious clear top play if Zach Ertz is not involved in Sunday's game. Jared Cook is, I think, probably too close to Dallas Goddard in salary on both sites to make him a highly owned option. But Mm -hmm. the upside's there. He's a boom-bust touchdown guy, so he can be... Uh, 
you know, differentiating slash contrarian play, not to the degree that he would be during the regular season, but there's obviously a high TD ceiling and also the low floor of likely not getting a ton of targets, but there have been some higher reception tight ends against Minnesota this season. Right. Lower floor than Dallas Goddard, because like you said, the target volume is not going to be there. Cook has averaged 4.8 targets over his last eight games. That's since coming back from injury. Um, But I think Cook's ceiling is just as high, if not higher than Dallas Goddard. You know, despite that low volume, Cook's averaged 67 yards and 0.9 touchdowns in those eight games. He has seven touchdowns across those eight games and he's topped 20 DraftKings points in three of those eight outings. So again, I think for tournaments, you're getting a similar ceiling between Cook and Goddard. And I think you're going to get Cook at much lower ownership. So beyond Jared Cook, I I think my next best move or favorite move or whatever might be going all the way down to either Dawson Knox at 2,900 or Darren Fells at 3,000, at least on on DraftKings. Knox has been over 70% playing time for most of the season's second half. Finished the season with three straight one-catch games, but four targets in three of the final four games. Does get downfield 13.9 yards per catch for the season. So whatever he does get, there is some yardage upside to him. And there's not a whole lot to like at tight end on the slate. So that boosts him. For Darren Fells, I think he gains some upside because Jordan Akins is now questionable with what looks like a Thursday practice injury. Yeah, um, good point there on Akins. I think Fells definitely would be an option for me if Akins is out. And, you know, that's the first game. So, so we'll know before um, any part of your lineup locks. Um, for me, I'm going to try not to go that low. I like Jonu Smith on DraftKings for 3,800 bucks. Um, you know, he closed the season with a few pretty nice games. He had 11 plus DraftKings points in three of his last four outings. Patriots weren't as dominant against tight ends as they were against wide receivers this year. And England actually 18th in DraftKings points allowed to tight ends. So, you know, I think Smith's shown some big playability. I think for tournaments, especially, he makes some sense. On FanDuel, I think Jacob Hollister is the cheaper guy I'm going to try to go to if I can't get Cook or Goddard. Um, you know, Hollister's volume has been pretty nice, really, in his 10 games since taking over as Seattle's lead tight end. He's averaged 5.9 targets across those 10 games. He has six plus targets in seven of the 10. Um, you know, Eagles, not a great matchup, but they haven't been quite as good against tight ends this year as they have been in previous seasons. Um, Football Outsiders has Philly 12th in tight end coverage, and they are 13th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends. You can certainly make an argument for, you know, most tight ends on this small slate who at least play enough where they'll get a couple targets. I think Knox and Fells, even on both sites, their sub 5K on FanDuel are probably going to be where I look if I'm getting out of the top range. But, you know, really on this kind of slate, all you need is a guy to get a touchdown and he's a terrific play. I was going to say, I mean, one of these scrub tight ends is going to score a touchdown. Um, Who it's going to be, I can't really tell you. (laughs) <laughs> right. If only we could, then we wouldn't have to bother with all this and we could just be rolling in dough. Exactly. At Flex, on DraftKings at least, you can fit Boston Scott, Devin Singletary, Sony Michelle together mm-hmm. fairly comfortably into the same lineup. And I do think that Julian Edelman is an option. He, he scares me a little bit, but he's just sixth in wide receiver price on DraftKings this week at 6500 bucks. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm probably not going to be playing cash this week. I tend not to on the shorter slates. So in tournaments, I'm going to be looking to a wide receiver in the flex spot. I, I just like the wide receiver pool in general a lot more than I do at running back. So, you know, most of the guys we've talked about, I think um, those cheap guys like Harry, Traquan Smith, David Moore, all work as a flex play. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I do think that Boston Scott gives you some of that wide receiver flair, though, mm-hmm. in in the Philly offense that is severely lacking in wideouts. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if I'll play Scott if Miles Sanders plays, but if we know Sanders is out, I, I definitely like Scott as a flex or at one of those running back spots. And on FanDuel and probably less on Boston Scott, uh, you know, maybe I'll consider him more if there's no Miles Sanders. But in that 6K range at both running back and receiver presents some attractive options for flex here. I also think, and again, this would be tournament only, that playing Dallas Goddard and then Jared Cook in the flex makes some sense. Yep. On defense, everybody's priced down. The one that I'm not touching for sure on DraftKings is the Vikings, even at a position low, 2200 against the Saints. It's just like... They would have to get a defensive return for a touchdown, I think, to be worth anything here. And there's not enough of an advantage with them versus the other options to make that make sense. Yeah, for me, I'm going to try to get up to the Patriots and the Saints, who I think are the clear top two defense plays on this slate. You know, they're both at home, both favorites. The Patriots, we know how good they've been as a fantasy defense all season, although they did tail off over the second half of the season. But I still, you know, especially on FanDuel at 4600 bucks, the Patriots actually pop as the best dollars per point value. And on DraftKings, it's the Saints as the best dollar per point value. They're at 3000 bucks versus New England at 3400 Yep, I got no problem with trying to get up to those. I think on DraftKings, the Texans at 2600 might be the most attractive combo of upside and salary for me. You know, as I'm building, we'll see how much that salary gap matters. The Eagles D gets the best scoring matchup, according to both fantasy points allowed, adjusted fantasy points allowed. And on FanDuel at 3700 they're the second cheapest option at the position. I think both Philly and Seattle are attractive on FanDuel. Again, if the salary matters for not getting up to the Patriots there at 37, 3600. Yes, those are the two cheaper defenses I'm on. And it's like you said, the Texans on DraftKings at 2600 bucks. They're the third home favorite this weekend, joining the Saints and Patriots. Josh Allen has been good at avoiding turnovers over the second half of the season, but I, I still think there's upside there, especially in his first playoff game on the road. So the Texans on DraftKings, and then yeah, the Eagles, I think are the best cheap play on FanDuel at 3,700 bucks. Seattle 24th in adjusted sack rate allowed. And the Eagles had six sacks in that uh, first meeting with the Seahawks during the season. Mm-hmm. Bills and Texans at 4,400 over on FanDuel. Far less attractive, I think, on that site than DK. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I won't be using them on FanDuel. That's going to do it for this wildcard weekend DFS podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see our full player rankings for the week. Check out our DFS lineup builder tool to help build your lineups for playing on both DraftKings and FanDuel this weekend. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. That's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schauf saying thanks so much for swimming with us. 